Thanks for listening to this Word in Your Ear podcast. If you'd like to get early access to all our productions ad-free, priority booking for our live events, and to take part in our weekly quiz, go to patreon.com slash wordinyourear for more details. Life is full of awesome what-ifs, and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at UH1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This word in your ear is brought to you thanks to NordVPN. And VPN stands for what, Mark? It stands for Virtual Private Network. Just testing. Try again. What's it stand for, Mark? Virtual Private Network. That is absolutely correct. And that's a way to keep your data safe on the internet whenever you're logging in either at home or abroad or in an internet cafe or wherever. VPN protects your identity and encrypts your data so that nobody can steal that identity. And at the same time, here's the fun bit. It enables you to access the internet via servers in more than 50 different countries. And this means you can often sidestep region restrictions and stream movies and TV programs from all around the world. And I've been doing just that this very morning, Mark, while, waiting, on, what for you this, looking at? while waiting for Alex to get out of the shower. I was looking at... Uh, <laughs> plenty I was, of opportunity. I was enjoying the, the many splendors of Swedish Netflix, which has the most wonderful repository of strange old British British comedy programs and TV films. I think I watched a bit of Mutiny on the Buses this morning. Oh, my Lord, how wonderful. Uh, I also saw The Lovers starring Richard Beckinsale and Paula Wilcock from the early 70s. I saw a a comedy called uh, A French Mistress, which is set in the kind of never-never land of an English boys' public school of the 1950s. Where the headmaster is headmaster is Cecil Parker and James Robertson Justice is among the staff. This is perfect British kind of sexual fantasy stuff, it's, isn't it? Honestly, a public school and they, a French mistress. They get they 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 have to get a new French teacher. Wow, they can't get a man, so they're going to get a woman. Wow, I, guess I tell what? you, she's double really... wide, double wow. She's a miss. She's not even a missus. No, you know, she's, she's in her twenties. And three. Three lemons, anything off the top shelf. Would you like a cuddly toy or goldfish? She's French. She's French even more. And therefore, and the French she, are pretty kind of pretty, uh, pretty loose. Ha, we're ha, told. Ha, ha. So she can't come in a room without a frowsy trombone going wah and then, and, then, and then when there's a failed uh, advance by a small schoolboy, there's a bar. <laughs> it's like the scene from Danny Baker's uh, Danny Baker's autobiography. Do you remember that scene where where the teacher falls in love with him at school and invites oh, right. him round for supper? Oh, it's absolutely extraordinary. So I've also been watching a bit of my, one of my favourite films, uh, the 1948 film of Graham Greene's Brighton Rock, which you must know, with um, 
Dickie Attenborough uh, as Pinky and uh, William Hartnell is in it and so forth. You, have you, you never seen that? It's been in that. Oh, terrible. God, it's brilliant. Because it's shot, all the exteriors are shot in Brighton. And obviously at the time, Brighton was trying to give itself a new post-war, slightly more upmarket uh, reputation, which can be the only explanation for the fact that at the beginning of the film, you get a really long caption before anything happens, and the caption reads as follows, Mark. I actually transcribed it. Here we go. This is what it says at the beginning of Brighton Rock, 1948, before you see any of the action. It says, Brighton today is a large, jolly, friendly seaside town in Sussex. But in the years between the two wars, there was another Brighton of dark alleyways and festering slums. From here, the poison of crime and violence and gang warfare began to spread. This is a story of that other Brighton, now happily no more. <laughs> Isn't that fantastic? That's a brilliant opener. My God. It's like it's not like that anymore. That, was, was it yeah, Keith Dream Water? on. <laughs> yeah. Was it Keith Water? Has a I spent a lot of time in Brighton because my wife, my wife come from around there. And... Um, and it, 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 I was at Keith Waterhouse famously the best ever quote about Brighton. It says, Brighton is a town that always looks as if it ought to be helping the police with its inquiries. That's fantastic. That's brilliant. <laughs> I can remember doing, I, it's a fant- I lived there for a while. I remember doing my first uh, London to Brighton bike race and arriving and being greeted by uh, uh, the Bangkok Lady Boys, guys, guys who've been up all night, clearly in a nightclub, just come out to see the men in Lycra arriving. <laughs> I thought, this place is so brilliant. I love it. Yeah, can you still say that? Well, we shall soon find out. Yeah. You're listening to a podcast from The Word. Kate Bush on Woman's Hour. Did you hear it, Dave? I didn't. Fantastic. Was it? It's fantastic because... <laughs> what did she say? She said virtually nothing. Oh, really? <laughs> Absolutely not. And it didn't kind of matter. Catelyn Moran came on. Catelyn Moran, was job, whose job was just to you know, provide the build-up. We are about to hear from Kate Bush. You know, and uh, and she talks about her being a pioneer. And she's absolutely right. Every, I think Captain Moran's brilliant. Everything she said was right. Pioneer. She's the first person to, to start using those kind of headsets, her dance moves, the fact she was a girl nerd and learned about technology and had all these kind of fair lights in her studio. Um, her girlishness, that she was a whole new kind of pop star. She wasn't kind of like Bonnie Tyler or Joan Jett or Chrissy Hines. She was wafting about in kind of girly dresses, you know, that uh, that she wrote songs about washing machines. It's like Mrs. Bartolozzi. Catelyn Brown was saying, this is the, the female equivalent of a man writing a song like, I'm waiting for my man. This is what women do. They put clothes in washing machines. I thought she was absolutely right. I thought it was, really, it was, it was a really good point, you know. And uh, and also that she had a very happy life. There's no, don't be any bad bits. If you read the, the life of Viv Albertine or Chrissy Hind or whatever, then, um, you know, there are all sorts of things go wrong. Nothing appears to have gone wrong. In no, that's country. true. It's really, that's really true. interesting. Yeah, it's just a really nice yeah. story. And then she comes on after all that build up and talks about how she's doing a bit of gardening. And she's very, very pleased that a whole new generation of people have, uh, have uh, cottoned on to her and how she watches Stranger Things. 
And, uh, you know, and she doesn't give anything at all away. And yet you're somehow completely thrilled just to hear the voice of, of Kate Bush. You know, as you, as you were saying, you know, there's like, like suddenly every, any, any utterance is like bring a tablet down from the top of the mountain. It's funny, I was thinking about um, when in the early days when I was an editor of Smash Hits, uh, Phil Sutcliffe went and interviewed her. I can't remember what the record was. And she was, you know, it was hit, hit after hit, you know, and she was... Yeah. She was in the charts. She was she was part of the furniture, really. Kate Bush just was, you know, and didn't belong to any particular movement or anything. And um, he, uh, Phil, always used to, uh, I think, r- rather fancy himself that he kind of broke. He, he went a bit further than a lot of interviews. Yeah, that's right. Or whatever. Dug deep. He, he just did. And and I remember he came out with his interview with, with her, and and one of the things she talked about was menstruation. And um, was this for Smash Hits? Did you this say? was Smash Hits. Yeah. And I, I just kind of looked at this. Oh, okay, all right, fine. And I just, I, you know, left it in the whole thing. The whole thing ran. I, I was sure. I, I kind of you know, Phil kind of put it in, sort of hoping I was going to say, well, I'm not sure about that, Phil. <laughs> then he could complain about it. Then he could complain about it. So but no, I just said no. Don't no, fine. Okay, put it in, and it ran in the magazine, and it ran completely without remark. Absolutely, from anybody, from readers, from anybody at all. Whereas, you know, and that was kind of the 80s. Whereas 20, 30 years later, anything like that would be regarded as, this is a major breakthrough. I know. You know what I, I mean? Know. That's the really odd thing, is the kind of level of fuss as compared to the level of activity nowadays is completely out of kilter. Whereas when all that stuff was going on, when Kate Bush was just around, nobody made that fuss at all. It strikes me. Um, it's just, you know, we, everybody everybody is very keen on the significance of something. Actually, this relates to something I, I, we had noted down. Uh, Billie Eilish played Glastonbury. You know, yeah. youngest person ever to headline Glastonbury. What is she, yeah. 20 or something like She's that? She's 20. She's 20. Fair enough, you know. But then I was thinking, Stevie Wonder turned 21 in 1971. Yeah. 21. So that's when he first signed his first adult contract with Motown. So prior to that, he'd had a kind of juvenile contract. But during that juvenile period, he'd had hits with Fingertips, I Was Made to Love Her, Uptight, My Sharia Moore, for once in my, in my life, life, signed, sealed, delivered, heaven help, help us all, all, and a load more. <laughs> it's I know it's amazing. It's an unbelievable. It? Well, there are various of these. We were talking about yesterday, weren't we? Jackson Brown wrote yes. these days when he was sixteen. Steve Winwood. I'm just reading um, Chris Blackwell's autobiography because we're going to be interviewing him quite soon. It's really interesting. I mean, Steve Winwood was fourteen. Yeah, yeah. He was like, uh, Chris Blackwell had to be his legal guardian he when would. he was in uh, in um, Spencer Davis. Group. I was. I went to see Spencer Davis on a package tour in '65, '66, and he was introduced as Little Stevie Winwood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which yeah. was a kind of play on Little, little Stevie, Stevie Wonder. Wonder really. Yeah, yeah. He was because he'd been taught 
by Spencer Davis, hadn't he? Spencer yeah. Davis was a geography teacher, I think, or something like that. That's right. And he'd been he'd been a pupil of his at school. Incredible. No, he was fourteen. He was eighteen when he filmed Traffic, you know. And uh, and Millie Small. I mean, Millie Small was fourteen when she met Blackwell. I think she was about fifteen or sixteen when my boy Lollicup. Yeah, when he Lollicup. brought her all the way over yeah. the UK, didn't he? <laughs> yeah, he did. Yeah, he had to get a letter from my mother signing an agreement that it was okay for this 14-year-old girl <laughs> to go off with this with this uh, middle-class uh, you know, white British guy yeah. who claimed that he was going to kind of uh, make her a successful make her career. Get this, Mrs. Small. I've got to make her a star. Yeah, there's going to be cash in it for you. It's absolutely incredible, really. And um, oh, there's a really moving bit in the book, actually, where he goes back to Jamaica with her. After all this worldwide success, that record, My Boy Lollipop, is a huge hit all over the world, and I remember clearly. And when she gets to the airport, her mother is there to greet her, and she's the most famous person in Jamaica. And her mother stands there kind of paralysed with kind of, with awe, really, and simply curtsies to her own daughter. Uh, really? And at that point, he thinks this is somehow kind of wrong. Yeah. And he gets out of the whole pop music business and goes into rock and roll. It's really interesting, actually. But others, Rankin Roger was 16 in the beat. Alex Chilton was 16 really? in the box. Was he really? Yeah, yeah, he was. Yeah, Alex Chilton was very Alex young. Chilton was 16 in the box tops. Peter <laughs> Frampton, 16 in the herd. Uh, Annabella Lewin, uh, you know, fifteen in Bow Wow Wow. That I could, I still can't believe the Bow Wow Wow story. Um, that a fifteen-year-old girl could have been making records like that. It's astonishing. I watched a bit of Billie Eilish on the telly last night. They had Glastonbury um, highlights, who I thought was really good actually. But it's very interesting because Billie Billie Eilish's show I'd never seen it before consists of her brother and a drummer, and that's it, and her singing up the front, and everything else is on some huge, great sound bed. But she manages to hold the attention through this. I mean, they're very good songs, and she's she's quite charismatic. But but through this absolutely astonishing, you know, sonne lumiere. You know, it's an amazing light show. There's pyrotechnics, there's fireworks going off. You know, and I thought, you know, she's headlining, but would this work in the afternoon? I mean, if it's all about smoke and lights, no, it can't, can't and she, be, can you it? simply couldn't do it in broad daylight. You know, no, no. it also struck me how at Glastonbury, you know, if you're actually there. Rock bands really, really work. You know, rock, rock music carries that huge distance down the valley. But on the telly, it's the it's the dance acts that work. TLC were absolutely yeah. fantastic doing no scrubs. They're followed by Sam Fender, about whom I know nothing, who was monumentally dull. Just earnest, earnest guy with guitar with Ed Sheeran choruses, you know. <laughs> And uh, it's funny how um, say say monumentally dull again. I love the monumentally way monumentally dull. It's <laughs> <laughs> pretty damning, isn't it? <laughs> it's funny this business about daylight because I've got uh, you're saying that Santana, all of Santana were under twenty two. All under twenty two. I think they were. I think the <laughs> youngest one was it. Greg Welly was nineteen, I think. Carl Santana yeah, was twenty one. But and the whole know, group, all six members of Santana, the interesting were under thing, interesting thing about Santana, Santana at Woodstock is they were really good. They're fantastic. They were fantastic. It's one of my favourite bits of YouTube. Them doing soul sacrifice at Woodstock. It's absolutely. But also, okay, here we go. Woodstock, okay. And I'm going to give you some acts, and I'm going to ask you to answer. How old? Night, nighttime or daytime? Oh, okay. okay, that's good. Okay, here we go. Santana, nighttime or daytime? Daytime. Thank you. Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young, nighttime or daytime? I think nighttime. That's correct. Sly and the Family Stone, which, which was the wrong thing completely, wasn't it? A little 
folk harmony out there. Silent Family Stone, I think, weirdly, I think daytime. No, nighttime. Oh, okay. Nighttime. Okay. It was they 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 were they were definitely a kind of really lit up concept, okay. you know. All right. uh, you know, particularly in the film. Richie Havens, nighttime or daytime? Well, that was definitely daytime because he started the show with a whole the show. guitar that he'd, he'd sort of um, worn a hole through with his plectrum, hadn't he? And, uh, and what was the song that he sang at the beginning of Woodstock? Well, it was probably Freedom or Children. It was Freedom. It was freedom. It was freedom. And he just sang Freedom, Freedom, Freedom. And, uh, and I couldn't help notice that when uh, President Zelensky gave his you know his message to the Glastonbury hordes yesterday. Yeah. He said this is the kind of the greatest gathering for freedom in the world. I, I thought to myself, well, all, more power to you, Mr. Zelensky, for getting any exposure you can get. But freedom it ain't. This is quite an expensive, you know, this is an expensive leisure activity, this is, isn't it? Yes. Well, there's the freedom to go to a rock festival, which I think he's looking at. Okay, it's the same freedom we have to go to a World Cup final. You know, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's all relative. You know? Yeah. Um, but uh, it kind of it looks like people's image of freedom, you know. But um, yes. Yeah, so uh, yeah. Anybody else from Woodstock? Uh, okay. Joe Cocker and the Greaseman. Nighttime, daytime. Joe Cocker. Let me have a think. Nighttime? Daytime, I think. Okay. Pretty sure daytime. Pretty okay. sure daytime. The who? Nighttime or daytime? Definitely nighttime. That's right. That's absolutely correct. You've passed, Mark Allen. Good. You've passed. Good. I paid attention. The Word Podcast. Prime cuts of popular culture served fresh each week. So watching the fallout from the by-elections this week... Um, which is uh, it's, it's always doubly unfortunate if you're the prime minister and you happen to be overseas when these things go on because you can't help looking rather distant from and, and not particularly in control. And uh, I thought, surely it's only a matter of time before somebody starts using the headline, crisis what crisis, which of course has a definite, definite musical history to it. And uh, and that led me to look into that musical history, which turned out to be a lot more complicated than I thought, Mark. Because you probably, like me, associate the headline crisis with what crisis with James Callaghan in 1979. Yeah, but he that? never said it, did he? He never actually said it, but you know, it was it was seized upon by a Sun headline writer as being the perfect what he would say if he could. Yeah, yeah. Crisis, what crisis? And also it has the, the great virtue of a headline of being short and having a repeated word in it. You know, so It looks good written down. It looks really good written yeah. down. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. 
That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. And I suppose if you'd asked me, I would have said that Supertramp had then got the idea from that. But that was not the case, was it? The Supertramp record was, I think, made in 1975 or 1977, yeah. certainly significantly earlier. And that was just, you know, they had one album called Crime of the Century. And then the follow-up, which was much anticipated. And, you know, he said the picture, picture of the skeletons of the deck chairs. You yeah. Know, in the midst of uh, planetary devastation, and and the, and the title "Crisis, What Crisis," which you have to say, as album titles go, is a really good title, isn't it? It's a brilliant title. And um, but it was years later that that came into into the mainstream. But anyway, even "Crisis, What Crisis" was not their invention. I love these things. I know you, you pull a thread. On the rich tapestry of rock and roll, and, and you always find it always to leads to another thing, yeah. and then another thing. The line "Crisis, what crisis?" comes from your favourite movie and mine. What is that, Mark? It's the Day of the Jackal. The Day of the. It's jackal. a brilliant, brilliant thing where where the English guy is the, the cabinet minister is in bed with the mistress. No, because it's spy. It's, it's she's a spy, French cabinet minister. You know, they're trying to infiltrate. They're trying to infiltrate. And she's a spy, French and he cabinet. says, "Oh, I'm sorry, I was on the telephone. I was a crisis." And he says, "Crisis? What crisis?" <laughs> and she kind of cuddles up to him, and he goes, "Oh, there's nothing." And he goes. What crisis? And it goes on. She repeats it, doesn't she? And, uh, and then it cuts because you know that uh, he is going to divulge. And sure enough, comes to a, a, a grim end, doesn't he? In the, in the, in the Absolutely. Film. So that starts with Dave the Jackal, as all good things do, is taken up by Supertramp, is then taken up by the sun and placed in the placed in the mouth of the innocent James Callahan. Yes. And he's still part of the kind of the parlance now, all those years later. Yeah. Isn't pop music a wonderful thing? It's absolutely brilliant. And and I'm I'm a a bit of a student of things that people said, but they never actually said. Oh, go on. Let them eat cake. What what did you say? Let them eat cake is brilliant. Let them eat cake, Marie Antoinette. Um, She never said that. And that was a, a deliberate thing by a journalist at the time to make her out to be the kind of a, you know, a clueless ditz. Yeah. The kind of ridiculous thing that the rich people would say. Yeah. She never said it. There's a sucker born every minute attributed to P.T. Barnum. Actually, nobody has the faintest idea who said that, but he didn't. Really? A lie can travel halfway around the world while the truth is putting its shoes on. That's been attributed to Thomas Jefferson, Mark Twain, and Winston Churchill. None of them said it either. And the nearest source that's even close to it is Jonathan Swift once said, which is a great quote, actually, falsehood flies and truth comes limping after it. 
which appeared in one of his 1710 works. Um, in our lifetimes, uh, Ringo is not even the best drummer in the Beatles. No. It's a classic, isn't it? Goes, oh, John Lennon said that. John Lennon never said that. I know. Never. And it's, I mean, it's a monstrous thing to say. It was Jasper Carrot, wasn't it? Years later, yeah. And you yeah. were, of course, present at one of the famous ones. Give me the fucking money. Give us yeah. the fucking money. Which which, which, which Bob Goddard never said. Never said. He said, he said uh, he, actually, what he said was, fuck the address. Didn't yeah. He? Fuck the address. Just yeah. give us the money. It's yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. Now it's extraordinary how those things that those things just travel, you know, and uh, it's the things that people repeat that, that stay with you, isn't it? You know, it's just up to people, really. It's up to people it... to decide that if they like it, it fits, and uh, you know, it, and that certainly works. This is a junction in the word podcast. It separates that bit from this next bit. So exactly um, forty years ago. June the 10th to June the 23rd, 38p, this particular edition of Smash Hits came out. I was just looking in the attic for some um, some old Smash Hits because I was contributing to uh, Gavin Hogg's uh, Smash Hits um, Giddy Carousel of Pop uh, podcast about the Flexi Disc, in fact, in 1981. And I was just looking at this guy, and it just reminded me what an amazingly varied time it was. It's extraordinary when I look at it now. You've got, you've got Jenny from the Bell Stars on the cover. Yep. And then you've got Monsoon, Kid Creole. In, interviewed by, by Neil Tennant. That's right. Kid Creole on the Coconuts. Blondie, Scritti Politti, Queen, New Order, Classics Nouveau, and Diana Rost. It's such a variety. I was looking at Fred Della's singles reviews, which are really, really funny. And uh, there's a great one about, about Vic Goddard, because we've done a little piece about Vic Goddard of Subway Sect, Waiting for Goddard. You've got to admit yeah, that. very good. good. And uh, how he'd produce a swing album. He says something like, um, so my, my Uncle Stan was a big fan of Frank Sinatra, and uh, but he couldn't sing. Uh, he says, Vic Goddard, big fan of Frank Sinatra too. Unfortunately, he can't sing either. <laughs> Vic Goddard did this. Vic Goddard did this. I thought it was a really good album, actually. A big single called Hey Now, I'm In Love. But the singles reviews, Fred's singles reviews, he's got Stevie Wonder as a single of the week. And then you've got Smokey Robinson, Dollar, Bauhaus, the Thompson Twins and Funkapolitan. And you think, and tons more. You think, what a great time. Don't you think? It was just so much going on, so much. So I'm looking stuff. at the albums now. I'm trying to see if I reviewed an album because people regularly send me things now as I say, oh, yeah, oh yeah. look, you reviewed this 40 years ago. Have you changed your mind? Have you changed your uh, mind? And, yeah. And, uh, you really slagged them off. You really yeah. slagged Toya off. Yeah. I didn't review any of these. I got Toya's The Changeling, interviewed by, uh, reviewed by Neil Tennant. We got Patrice Russian, Bev Hillier. Cabaret Voltaire, Neil Tennant, again. Uh, John Cooper Clark, done by Pete Silverton. The Shaking Pyramids, my goodness. Oh, I remember everybody had Tim a group. Delisle. Like, oh, Tim Delisle. Everybody had a group like the Shaking Pyramids, they did. didn't they? In the light of the stray cats and so forth. Hamby and the Dance by Neil Tennant. Neil was working his, working working his socks off. And then the Rolling Stones, still life. <laughs> life. Six out of ten. Show. 1981, done by Tim, Tim Delight. Of course, the Rolling Stones are, as we record this, I think I'm right in saying, Mark, and they're playing, they're playing Hyde Park, aren't they? I think they are today. I yep, think they are afternoon. today. Yeah. Which is, and I was just reading a thing. So that is, so 1969 was when they did their first Hyde Park concert, wasn't it? Yeah. It was. So that is how many years ago? 
That is 53, 53, three, years. 53, 53 years, ago. years ago. And at the time they did it, and this, this piece I was reading reminded me, they hadn't played live for two years. Really? That's quite a long time, isn't it? Two. Well, they'd had that kind of psychedelic excursion and they, you know, Brian Jones, you know, had been kicked out of the group and, you know, they got Mick Taylor and everything, but they hadn't actually played live. They'd just done those... Um, their Stanic Majesties and the, and the second uh, greatest hits, whatever that one was called, through the past darkly, and uh, yeah, they had they hadn't played live because they they stopped playing live. I think in nineteen sixty seven, they were um, they played a university in New York State, and Bill Wyman writes about this in his book, and he said for the first time there wasn't any sque- screaming. He says, so we could hear ourselves. We sounded terrible. We sounded terrible. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and obviously, you know, and actually at, at Hyde Park, they don't sound great, actually. They, they sound they, very feeble, actually. They're yeah, too they're quiet. Too, yeah, they're too well, I wish quiet. I'd been there, but I mean, uh, you know, I've just seen the clips that, that are there, and it's an extraordinary event, the whole thing. The, the dead butterflies the when dead he opens butterflies. the basket of the butterflies. Shoo! And they're trying to get him to take off and they've all sort of died in his bag. You know? Absolutely. And also what he's wearing, I think he's wearing this amazing kind of blouson and he reads the Shelley poem, doesn't he? He does. It's an extraordinary thing. The real stars of that day, as well as I can see, were King Crimson. They were the bottom of the bill, weren't they? And they were the, weren't the, 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 the absolutely major upcoming act. And uh, it's amazing. Pretty, pretty it's amazing. They played a few. They played a few club gigs, and then uh, suddenly they're playing to however many people it was. I've really no idea. Was it sixty, eighty thousand, hundred thousand? It might. It would have been a hundred thousand at least. Yeah. Um. You know, just people just for miles. The um, because the amazing thing is, you know, the two act two acts who played that day are still going. And one of the Rolling Stones, the other King Crimson. Both doing fantastically well, <laughs> doing very brisk business. <laughs> yes, it's a long old time ago, isn't it? That, you know? It is. So, it sorry, is. how do we get to the subject of the stones? Because we're looking at we kept um, looking at smashes, looking at the looking smashes. And I noticed also well, Goddard, that there's a the very big Goddard, We're talking about. I bumped into him the other day. Really? At a do, still going, still making records, still producing an album. Good for him. Fantastic. The truth is, nobody gives up. We're going to be we're going to be interviewing we're going to be interviewing Nigel Tassel soon. He's written a book called C eighty six. Whatever happened to the C eighty six kids? And it's about the twenty two acts that were on that cassette that came out in nineteen eighty six. It'd be quite interesting to see that. I think the majority of those groups are still going, no matter how tiny they were. There's going to be some little convention where they're going to get together. There will be something. Yeah, yeah. It's very, yeah. It's very hard to let it go. Yeah, it's extraordinary. And just going back to the the issue of Smash Hits. Yeah, go on. There's a Nights Out special, which was the live reviews that we'd recently introduced to that part. Right. This, is, this is 1982. And it's a show in Leeds with Queen, Joan Jett, and the Teardrop Explodes. Which I'm saying is a slightly curious bill. It's an extraordinary bill. Isn't it really? I can't find that. Is that a line? It's a right at the back. It's oh, yeah. Just yeah, yeah, the yeah. letters. Mark Rusher and Dave Rimmer. Oh, yes. How extraordinary. Yeah. And uh, I don't know, was it outdoors? I suppose it might have been. And uh, Queen yeah. and Teardrop Explodes. There you go. And who's the poster on the back? It's Junior. Do you remember Junior? Junior. 
Junior what was Junior Stick called? I can't remember. It was Junior Gizmo. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, there it is. 40, 40 big top 20 40 years, ago. years ago. And still fresh as paint. The Word Podcast. Two cocoa tins and a piece of string. Okay, any other business? We have to, uh, first business is is the winner of the quiz, Alex, because we didn't announce that last night because you, you were away. So mm-hmm. uh, we can now do this. I, I should explain for the benefit of anybody who hasn't taken part in our quiz, which we've been running now for how long is it? Two, two, years? Years. two years. Two years, I think. Two years. Every we Friday. Done, we've done about 100 of them, haven't we, I think? Uh, no, so we basically. Basically, the way yeah. this works is it takes place at six o'clock every Friday evening. It's the perfect end of the week. Some people turn up with with even a small, with cold, a small drink. Drink. With a cold drink. With do. a cold drink. And people people log in internationally. We have all sorts of pals all over America and stuff. Outernationally, absolutely. Yeah. We, and uh, takes place on Zoom. Um, but you've got to be a Patreon supporter to be invited, haven't you? you That's do. the way it works. So if you needed a further excuse to be a Patreon supporter, this could provide it. And uh, basically what we do is we we give you 10 visual clues via Zoom to the identity of a musical act. And the earlier you identify them correctly... Uh, the more likely you are to get a, a significant haul of points. But you only we, have one shot. You so only have go one in shot. early and get it wrong, yeah. it's too late. Absolutely. And so what we do is we, we don't give a prize every week. We give a prize every month at the end of every month. So the one we did last night was the last one of the month. And so now Mark has handed over to Alex the sealed envelope <laughs> with, with the and we pri- can reveal the winner this with is the exciting. price waterhouse you know stamp on the outside of it uh, and uh, and Alex has now has now added those up to the right. earlier scores earlier in the month and is now in a position to tell us are you Alex who is the winner for the month of June well, yes and no. Uh, <laughs> I've, oh, I've d- you tease! I know, right? Hey, pourquoi? Why? Done... Why can't you? Uh, because there's a tie, or not? What? Well, yeah. The, the, the result this month, I've done a totting up, and it's it's complicated uh, because we have having technically technically won are uh, three whole people. We have a triple way tie as things stand. Three we all, way all have the same score. It's astonishing. Oh Paul Thompson, Chuck Lonson from Swinging Georgia, yes, and uh, Andrew Boland all have fourteen points and are on the top spot of the podium. Fantastic! So, uh, so the let theirs be the glory, if not necessarily the prize. <laughs> <laughs> they get they get bragging rights while we sort out what to do about a prize. That's fantastic. So. So if you haven't taken part, you know, it's a fresh start next Friday. You know, you start with a clean slate. You can compete for the first time. We're very much welcome. New people into the quiz, new blood. That would be very welcome. But the first thing you have to do is be a Patreon supporter. If you want to be a Patreon supporter, if you go to patreon.com, Slash word in your ear. Is that right, Alex? That is correct, yes. <clears throat> and you can look up all the various ways that you could get involved, and we'd really appreciate your doing that if you can. Anything further to add, Alex? Actually, Dave, yes. Oh, because yes. 
we are putting out on the on the on the internet this week the podcasts of uh, our Words in the Park event. Uh, Absolutely, we just took place week. last week. Yes, all because how brilliant birthday. were those? Let's that run through those speakers again. There was Jeff Lloyd, wasn't it, the the radio broadcaster and and, uh, and presenter? There was Andy Miller, who's the co-host of Backlisted uh, Podcast. Uh, Danny Baker, who you'll know as a friend of the parish, and of course the great Ten CC co-founder and songwriter uh, Graham Goulburn. Brilliant lineup. Brilliant lineup. Wonderful day. Um, I'm sorry you're not going to be able to hear Alex's rendition of Paul McCartney's I Will, which climaxed the whole thing. But obviously copyright considerations mean that, that we can't, <laughs> we can't that. run it. You're just going to have to imagine that. You've got to imagine that Alex came on dressed in a Sergeant Pepper satin jacket. Played I will on a ukulele. On and a ukulele. Genuinely, people were in tears. Not a D. Tears in a good way. In the H. Absolutely. <laughs> and it was it was all very good. And so you'll get your opportunity to, to at least hear most of it uh, sometime in the next week. Um, but we'll continue with our full program of Word in Your Ears and Word in Your Attics. Who have we got lined up you'd like to tell people about, Mark? Come well, we've got the various people lined up. We've got Chris Blackwell, who's written this fantastic memoir about his life called The Islander. Yep. His life at uh, Island Records, living out in Jamaica. We've got Loudon Wainwright, who I think is very Wainwright. good value. I love one. Yeah, I love Loudon really Wainwright. We've got Nigel Tassel, who's written this book about um, the, the enemy's C60. Yeah. Um, we've got Julian Lennon coming up. And we've got uh, an old pal of ours called Bruce Finlay. Who started Bruce's record shop in uh, in Edinburgh and is uh, one of the most famous? I would say, I'm going to say, the most famous case of somebody giving their name to record shops in Britain probably is actually, isn't it? I think it is. Bruce's records, unless you know different. This podcast was brought to you by the Word. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.